What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is uh, episode 313, 313. A palindrome. Uh, a, a palindrome. Yep. Hey, Jinx. Hey. Uh, Coke. Um, my name's Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. I'm here as always with... I'm Ron. And I'm John. And another week, another pod, another episode, another chance for me to see you guys. Very, very thankful for that. Um... I feel like these last few have just been like, we, like we mentioned it briefly on one of the last episodes. Like, there's just so much to watch. Like, it feels like whether it's TV or movies or wherever we're spending our time. So, another episode, we're gonna just kind of go through a lot of what we've been watching lately. You know, like some yeah. movies and TV shows. We'll catch up uh, for some shows that we've mentioned already that have had a few a uh, few other episodes airing or that we may have finished. And then we have a couple uh, movies that came out uh, last week that we'll kind of check in on. We're going to be talking about the Hulu film uh, Vacation Friends. John's going to mention a little bit about him uh, seeing Candyman. And then we've all seen the Bob Ross documentary that is airing on Netflix right now. Um, but before we get into any of that, at the back of the show, at the front here, we're going to just talk a couple of news items like we usually do. And Ronald, you wanted to mention the one... Yeah, is is, yeah, is Ronald's uh, like clicking and typing louder than usual to you? Because I, I was hearing it a lot louder than it's loud. Yeah, I just didn't know if your microphone was like r on top of your mouse pad. Or no, something. it's okay. in the same place right. that it's always okay. in. All right, cool. It's, um, no, it's, I went to the, it's like being in the newsroom. You know, yeah, I like went to the. No, the, it's like the news just came in. That's yeah, what that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like so you're that? in that room with all the <laughs> machines in the back. <laughs> yeah. What is that news item? Ticker tape machine. So the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I think Legendary Films did this one. Uh, is now has now been picked up by Netflix and will be coming out supposedly some at some point in 2021. I mean, if if I'm if I'm a smart person at Netflix, I'm looking to release it in October just to to pick up on. So the, it's in the can, right? The, the articles that I've read are very weird about the way they write about the the tense of what's happening with this movie, but it's it's yeah. in the can. That's is that it? It's like because to it's, say it's, it's done. Okay, all right. It seems to be. It seems to be. But I, yeah, I may have just read a really poorly worded article. One day we ought to do a thing. We ought to talk about some of these like uh, entertainment articles that are written in like broken <laughs> English sometimes, or it's yeah. as though they're trying not to use words and they're using uh, like they went to the thesaurus for words they didn't need to go to the thesaurus for. Do you know that tone I'm talking about at all? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. 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 It makes think... me think: Is it written in like Eastern Europe and they're doing the best they can with English slang or something? I don't know. But we'll... I, I think what it is is there's a press release that everybody sees first, and they change the words. Probably they change a few yeah. words, right. and they just don't want to seem like they plagiarize it. Right. So they just switch some. You know, they start the end of the sentence and the beginning of the sentence and try to make it sound like it's a different thing, but yeah. But but they'll do something uh, weird, like it'll say, like, it's been two years in the making, and they'll change it to, like, it's been two periods in the making. Like, they'll, just, <laughs> they'll change it to something weird that's, like, somewhere there's a list of synonyms that might include that word, but yeah. if you know the... You know what? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm a I'm a picky picker, but but anyway, yes, uh, I was very confused when I read about this, but if it's already yeah, in the oh, can, then yeah, I could see it yeah. being like, yeah, Netflix knows what they're doing with this... And they seem to know they can get a bump out of the horror stuff. Like, I feel like Fear Street had a lot of people talking. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And this feels like the first thing that's like a franchise that we know that Netflix is putting out that's in the horror genre. Uh, this feels like this will be... If if this one catches on, if this one does really well, I feel like they can probably produce some in-house stuff, some properties that we may know. I just feel like this will bring about 
some well-known uh, titles and, and, and them kind of doing whatever Netflix does. Uh, I call it co-opting. I mean, I don't know what to call it exactly. But you know what I mean? Like, they, they yeah. take... They, they have this... Everybody knows at this point that Netflix has this amazing talent of taking something that you thought was dead and bringing it back to life and and, and really making it uh, having a having a good run on the on their service. So like it really making it the kind of thing that people talk about for fifteen yes, minutes man. and then it, stop talking about uh... and then stop talking. About... <laughs> yeah, so like um, manifest is. I mean, just to kind of keep it on the Netflix thing. Uh, Manifest got pick, picked up by Netflix as well, and they've announced that yeah. the third and final season is coming out. It's going to be a 20 episode or so. I think it's the fourth season. It's a fourth. Okay, fourth season. Fourth and final, yeah. 20 episodes? Release. Yeah. 20 episodes. Like, I like what they're doing, man. I mean, I like that part. How do you how do you feel about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming out on Netflix? I think it's awesome. I mean, I think it's good. I mean, this is one of those ones that, you know, I think – was filmed in like early or I don't know when it was done, but it was in early 2020 or mid 2020, I think mm. um, from what I was reading. But like, it, it is a little bit of a unique pickup for Netflix because uh, at least I guess in the horror genre, I'm trying to remember any other example of this, but like in this whole era mm. of studios selling off their titles that were supposed to go theatrical. Yeah. Um, this is one of the first like big quote unquote, like horror properties. Yes. Yes. that really has gone anywhere because it, you know the horror genre in general like a lot of studios have been holding it to put it in theaters still because they're still making money in theaters mm. you know Candyman's example i mean even quiet place 2 you know there's a, a there's a number of halloween movies i mean the halloween kills comes out malignant comes out like these movies that are still they're they're trying to make money on them so i don't know there's a quality thing with the texas chainsaw massacre this is a the movie is like apparently kind of like halloween did a few years ago where like it's a direct sequel to the original movie like it's kind of oh, wiping wow. the slate clean of the other sequels that exist so yeah you're right like if it's successful maybe it's something that netflix continues with or yeah. maybe it's just the basis for legendary to continue to do stuff with this property but yeah it's you it's a, it's a little different because it's been a bit since netflix kind of grabbed one of these movies that was supposed to go theatrical they bought a few of the Paramount titles and things like, I remember like the Lovebirds is one of them that they did. Mm -hmm. But they haven't really grabbed a lot of these like theatrical, queued up movies in a, in a little bit. Um, so yeah, you're right. If, if they can get this going and, and ready to go sometime in October around Halloween, I, you know, that's pretty great programming on their part against, yeah. you know, the theatrical movies that are coming out at the same time. But um yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see it. I mean, I'm always down to check it out, and especially if it's on Netflix. So I already have that. I'm, just, I'm yeah. good. <laughs> what about you, John? How you feeling? I mean, <clears throat> you know, similar. I, I'm curious to see what the movie itself is, uh, based on what Steve was saying, that it's been reported that it, it picks up as a direct sequel to the first movie, which is like... We've done these franchise uh, rewatches, and these horror franchises get sort of tangled after a while and we're about to get to the tangled portion when we do our next episode wrapping up the nightmare on elm street series we're going to get to the most tangled era for that series i guess but um yeah it, it seems like the texas chainsaw franchise is a if you're going to do that this is a smart one to do it with because it's had a couple like soft reboots and weird offshoot sequels along the way and um, I'm very interested to see <clears throat> just what the what the feel and concept of this is. It seems to be picking up like a few years later with with the idea that some of the characters have aged, and uh, you know, it might have a it might have a hook 
uh, and a concept to it that makes it makes it unique. So I'm 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 intrigued by that. But even if it's just yeah. the Texas Chainsaw version of what we got with the 2018 Halloween, um, uh, I'm you know I'm curious to see what kind of moments they can create, what kind of uh, what kind of scenes they can create. Those 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 movies at their best have always had a certain amount of like torture porn element to them, but also a certain yeah. amount of just shock. Uh, you know, sudden violence, and then also some somebody gets an awful fate that's kind of drawn out. So, um, you know, right. th- there's a lot of impact you can have in that kind of slasher zone with this. The tone of the Texas Chainsaw movies has always had a little bit. It's a little bit nastier, a little bit uglier um, in a weird way. So, you know, there's always the potential for that to be really memorable if someone really nails that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys check out the No Time to Die trailer that came out this week? Did either of you have a chance to see that? Yes. I actually did. That's what all the clicking was. That's oh, the... look at you. Look at yeah. you. Took you that just long to type out. in James Bond trailer. <laughs> like this stuff. Is it, is it just me or does it feel like this movie has just like completely lost steam? Yeah, it <sighs> is. Something about it feels really sad because it's like... <sighs> This trailer is promoting this like legacy of not only the franchise, but of Daniel Craig's run as Bond, as this being his last film in the series. It's like something just feels kind of underwhelming of like this limping to this October release date if it holds it. And I mean, the trailer looks good. I mean, it's like, OK, mm. and I'm, I'm really excited to see it. I think it looks good. And Carrie Fukunaga being involved like that's that uh, motorcycle, that me. motorcycle going up the stairs and then like up <laughs> over the wall is a pretty cool shot i have to say and i'm yeah, sure that's cgi absolutely. or wires but it looks it looks pretty you know the, it's got that james bond always has a certain groundedness to the to the action yeah. there's but no i'm with you i i feel like it i felt similar when even though it was never my bag anyway but when fast nine came out and it just kind of came out i kind of felt yeah. a similar way it's like well, weren't these movies supposed to be a bigger deal you know yeah. and then it just kind of came out and i kind of feel like it's really strange for this james bond movie which has been much hyped and yeah, a lot of a lot of lead up to it, a lot of changes, uh, you know, in terms of who was directing and what was going on with it, and it's like it was finally coming. It felt like it was limping out when it, whenever it was coming out, but now it really feels like it's kind of a, it's kind of lost in the shuffle. Which yeah, strange for a movie that should feel huger than huge, right? Yeah, yeah. so weird. I think this thing's gonna bomb. Bomb. I think bomb. Wow. I don't know if people have the bandwidth for something like this right now. I know it sounds weird, but like I don't, I don't know if they do, man. I, I think that, I think that people, I think that they need to put it out next year if they're gonna put it out, and, and if they, and if they're gonna release it this year, just do the hybrid release. I don't know if this thing's gonna do well. Wow. I mean, I feel like it's a surefire something, but I don't. But I kind of know what you mean, Ronald, in the sense that I don't know what value right now the James Bond kind of name has, just in terms of the way people talk about the franchises oh, that they talk about. I just don't know. I mean, I know that it's still out there, and I know that there's still decades of fans that would go see a new James Bond movie, and that's it. So in that way, he's kind of like Batman or Superman right. or something like that, where it's just like there's certain people that are going to come see it. But yeah, I know what you mean, Ronald. That there seems to be like it. It just because I saw the trailer in a theater um, mm. the other day uh, in front of Candyman. I'm pretty sure it was the new one, and because it was a new one I had never seen before, and I just I felt like you could even hear the two or three people in the theater kind of go, huh, 
<laughs> afterwards like like they knew they were supposed to be excited and they they weren't mm. feeling it you know and i was like and i wasn't quite feeling it either but i agree with steve like the action looks good the stunts look good the shots look cool i like carrie fukunaga i love all the extra care they're throwing in this new 007 thing here um you know i like seeing ray fine back as m it's his what's his name is it ben wishaw is that his name is that, yeah i like him as q i think there's so many touches that I'm I'm happy to see again, but yeah, for whatever reason, I just don't. It's more about like the culture doesn't seem to be like salivating for a James Bond movie right now. Think peace is coming, man. <laughs> How could this movie come out? This extravagant movie come out where people are suffering from in the middle of a pandemic? I'm telling you, man. Like, this I've been hearing, I've been reading these articles that have had like a tinge of like this feels weird. This is coming out now while people are suffering, essentially. Like, does the studio not, is the studio not aware of what's going on right now and why is this coming out right now? I'm telling you, man, there's something weird about all this stuff. Like, I, I think you have to strategize based on superhero movies can kind of get you out of a headspace, right? That's kind of built in. Like, we, at this point, we know that this is like a saga that goes across, to, looks like 20 years at this point, right? So, right. But this kind of thing feels very like I'm just saying this is the way this this is a, I've been reading these articles that kind of have that tagged in. Like, man, this feels inconsiderate of the times. I don't and, and for some reason that seems to affect the the rating, which doesn't make any sense to me, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's a timeliness of it. And this if if you aren't careful about the way you release things like this. I don't know if people want to get out of a headspace with a Bond movie. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I think I, I, I feel generally the way you're like, I, I have that thought about all things that are sort of frivolous right now or anything that mm. I'm kind of looking forward to that's that sort of frivolous. But I think that right now putting those things on the release schedule is almost like a move in the opposite direction of saying, let's let's make this stuff available to people. Let's give right. people a, a little something to look forward to. But I kind of know what you mean, that it does feel a little bit like are you know it's just an odd time to do something whimsical like go see a movie or or care about a tv show but we've been kind of dealing with that tug of war at least i have internally yeah. for a year Same. now <laughs> you know of just like am i just a, i mean i've always referred to myself as kind of an escapist dork and i kind of think i've proven it in the last year and a half but i also think we've also <laughs> proven that that's sort of maybe in the modern day that's kind of how we stay connected and stay alive, you know, is through yeah, absolutely. some of this agree, cultural man. stuff. But but I just feel like I haven't felt that, like I feel like even Shang-Chi has a bigger cultural footprint right now than James Bond, which is a strange thing yeah. to say. But yeah. And I'm talking about short term. Again, I'm not talking yeah, about yeah. decades absolutely. of whatever. I'm just saying at the moment, I feel like the average audience member would say, Shang-Chi, yeah, and would say, James Bond, like, oh, sure, whatever, I might go see it. You know, I don't know. I, that would be, like, like I, for me personally, Shang-Chi, I've been planning, might this get me out to the theater might i pick a screening that's you know sparsely attended i haven't even really considered will i do that for james bond so maybe right. I, I can't imagine what would change my mind about that in the next couple months that would make that movie feel like gotta see it now um but right. the mcu does have that soap opera aspect to it ronald that you were kind of referring to that's like we're all sort of like yeah we want to see the next installment of this thing that we're already we're already logged in for um but that's unfortunate because, I don't know, Daniel Craig's a great Bond and, and this could be an incredible movie. So, yeah, I guess yeah. the quality of the movie has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. that's unfortunate, man. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, 
Anything else? Newsy? Newsy Paloozy? Newsy Paloozy. I don't think so. You want to get into some of these shows we've been uh, mentioning and getting caught up on here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's one we can start with? Well, has, has everybody caught up on Reservation Dogs? Did everybody see the new one? I'm one behind. Oh, you're one behind. So you haven't seen my favorite one yet, but... No. But all of them have been, I mean, it's just that show. And I've seen people start to mention it. I don't know if you have noticed this, the two of you, but I've seen like people on my yeah. feed start to say, oh, Reservation Dogs. And it's interesting that that Waititi stamp brings a lot of people in. Um, yeah. And I think the positive uh, representation piece, is a, it's a reason. I mean, I got to say, I, whether it's corny or not, uh, I, I, I love that 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 I see that that's something that people get excited about, you know, that some right. people are just excited that it's a different show than we've seen before. Um, and that's like a thirst is there for, for, for these characters and these performances. But Ronald, honestly, when you see the new one, the new one even more reminded me of like the way that Atlanta can throw in some little bit of magical realism that you're like, <laughs> okay, what am I, what show am I watching here? This didn't become any less real for throwing right, in right. magical realism. And there's a point made in the new Reservation Dogs episode. I'm not going to spoil it the plot for you but there's a point where one of the characters basically is referring to like these magical things don't happen they don't exist and then the other person says you sound like a white man you know <laughs> and i feel like that culture but honestly that cultural idea of letting the spiritual world kind of coexist with the the natural world and the real world the grounded world that is something that is something cultural that this show can get at in a way that's extremely meaningful. Um, and uh, and I, I love the way this new episode does it. And also, I just love the character that it digs into. Um, it's, you know, a, a character actor that I've loved from other shows. So anyway, I can't wait to see what you think of the new one. But generally, are we all just up on this show? I mean, this is just this is just yeah. a really fun yeah, one to watch. I love it, man. It's, yes. it's funny, too, because you start to see it in the credits. Like, I think Taika's stamp is there. His yeah. feeling's there. But, like... You know, the other showrunner, uh, the other executive producer, like, I think he actually is the one that writes the rest oh, of the absolutely. episodes outside, yeah. outside of the pilot. So, I mean, there's a there's a voice there to, you know, come for, you know, Taika kind of opens the door, but this uh, this voice is being heard for sure. And it's got that kind of vibe to it. But you're right, this newest episode, I could definitely get the Atlanta comparison, but it just the idea, I think you mentioned it on our thread, like, you know, these kinds of shows where you get to spend a whole episode with someone uh, you know, a character that would just kind of be a passing moment in a in a film or something like that is just such a such a treat. You know, especially when it's this realized, this interesting, and you know, you know that there's some sort of like main story that's kind of weaving in and out of the whole time. So, yeah, I, I thought the newest episode was uh, episode, I guess five. That is, um, yeah, was great. But yeah, Reservation Dogs. If you're not watching it again, it's on uh, FX on Hulu. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Heels. Have you guys caught up on heels? Oh, yeah, I'm caught up. Yeah. What are you thinking of heels, Ronald? I'm loving it, man. It, it's it's like doing something that it's it's showing something that I really haven't seen since the wrestler. And the wrestler didn't even go into some of the intricacies of like wrestling and heels and like uh, baby faces and what it what it, you know just the the inner workings of wrestling and how serious people take it I, I i happen to have a couple friends that are like take this shit seriously man like if you if you do anything outside of what your character is supposed to do as a heel right you are you are messing up the business you are not a good person if you're not doing good camera work so like there's another thing too where like you're being filmed 
So you have to kind of play to the camera. So if you're putting somebody in a headlock, you're like looking at the camera like, ah, I hate this person. You know, it's like, these are all things I love. And also the main character, uh, Jack Spade's character, uh, uh, Jack Spade is really starting to like do something a little more than he was doing before. Because I, I agree with John. Like when we first were introduced to the main character and his brother, there was something about the Jack that didn't seem quite as like, I don't know. He seemed kind of like cardboard. I think he's a good actor, but like, uh, as these episodes have kind of gone on, I'm seeing like, there's, there's dimensions to him. He really does have these layers to him that are kind of coming out through these episodes. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Man. Good. Would you, good, good. Would, would you think? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Like so far, I feel like it's going a little slow. Like with it is stuff with, with the with the younger brother stuff. Like his kind of, um, you know, his kind of turn. I guess without kind of giving too much away of the series. Like, you know, getting to that point. You know, the not just the willingness, but the acceptance. You know, and like yeah. what his character is kind of trying. I guess deal with, and you know, the introduction of like the father into the story is makes it a little more interesting, a little more layered, and. You definitely want to try to learn a little more about you know his place in their in their brother you know relationship and you know the family relationship but so far i mean yeah like you said ronald you know this deep dive into this culture that is you know it's a very you know niche thing in some ways but it's a very popular mainstream thing in other ways that yeah you know is, is a gateway and that's kind of what i think the show does a really good job of so far is showing like you know where this family is or where this you know wrestling federation is you know they're kind of at that level where like you know it, it it is a jumping off point or it's also possibly a point where you just kind of get stuck and sucked in and stay there forever yeah and you kind of feel that with some of the characters so it's definitely definitely looking forward to see where they go um with some of our you know the, these regulars that we see on the show but i'm definitely you know i like the show a lot so far definitely into it Cool. Uh, Sterling Harjo, by the way, is the name of the co-creator of uh, Reservation Dogs. Right. I just feel like Sterling, we should definitely yeah. give them credit because, yeah, th I, that's what I was kind of what I was saying was that YTT name just being somewhere on there, I think, is what's bringing people in. But it's, uh, you know, it if you look at who's writing most of the episodes, it's Sterling Harjo. Yeah, it's him, um, yeah. Anyway, just wanted to get that name out there so that we weren't, we weren't giving them short shrift. Um, cool. Cool. Other shows. Well, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the show that I had started a couple of Netflix shows, one called The Chair and one called uh, Brand New Cherry Flavor. And um, I I finished them both. The Chair is like a breezy. It's like three hours from beginning to end because it's a half hour show and it's six episodes. And then um, right. the other one is like closer to an hour and it's eight episodes. But uh, no, I, you know, The Chair, I think, felt like. It feels like one of those sitcoms that is going to get a second season of 10 episodes and it will mm. it will be more I mean maybe not but I'm just saying it feels like one of those shows that six episodes was almost it almost felt like a full season it felt like it kind of rushed some things but I really liked its look at academic life and the kind of back and forth of the characters and, and how they're all kind of morally compromised. But it, it did some odd plot things that I would be curious to know where it would even go if it had a, a season two but it kind of feels like it's 
it wants one. You know what I mean? Like it didn't right. feel like yeah. it, right. it didn't take you, it didn't complete the the journey of these characters at all. Um, but I love the cast on that and uh, and co-created by Amanda Peet. I didn't really mention that before, but that's an oh. odd thing. She like has written some of this and is like the person behind it. I you know I didn't know, I didn't know Amanda Peet was a was a creator in that sense. Um, and then brand new cherry flavor, uh, fucked up horror show nightmarish visuals starts weird goes there hard stays there it's it's i've done i mean it's 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 you got to give it credit for all the things it does and all the times where you go oh well, surely it's going to cut away oh no it's no they're not going to cut away from that they're going to show you this weird fucking thing that's happening that's right out of a nightmare um and uh yeah i i ended up enjoying it i kind of halfway binged it you know like in little spurts like two or three episodes in a row and each time i really did kind of get sucked into the tone of that world but then each time i stepped away i was like i wasn't that excited to get back into that world if that have you ever had a show like that but then when i would put it back on yeah. within five minutes i would be back I would be back with it, um, but no, I thought it was. I thought it was really kind of interesting, and it just made some cool choices and some surprising things. I'm to understand it's written, it's based on a book, so maybe it's you know that's maybe that whole story is contained in the book. But and, you know, it made enough sense despite being an extremely weird show. But uh, yeah, just some some disturbing visuals alone. It's got it's got a couple things that you just. You know, if you've never seen a girl vomit, vomiting up kittens before, um, oh. then this is the show for you to see that. If you've never seen a guy oh get God. a weird long worm pulled out of his eye, then, um, yeah, this is the show where you get to see that. So, anyway, brand new cherry oh. flavor. I, I guess I'm recommend if, if those descriptions appeal to you, then you will like these shows. If those descriptions sound like you don't want to see them, uh, I will stress both shows are very funny as well, on top of the things I said. So, okay. Yeah. Finish. Right. Okay. And you know, it's right there on Netflix for you. It's that thing of them dumping 19 things in a week. <laughs> and it's like it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. God damn, so much stuff. So, um, only murders in the building. We've all yeah, seen Yeah, I say, why don't you guys talk about that? Oh, I, you, you know, did I not. Have not seen that. Have not seen. Not, I did not know. What well, yeah, why don't you guys talk about that? That's Hulu, right? Yeah. Yeah. How many did you watch, Ronald? I watched I watched the first 3. Me too. So, we're caught up. Um My first Sounds thought good. is, yeah, no, 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 no. My first thought is like, this is doing something that I only really felt when I was watching Bored to Death, which is like one of my favorite shows, HBO show. If Go back and watch it if you have HBO Max. Just this like, these odd pairing of people kind of trying to make things happen and it's it's, it's, these, and, it's these privileged New Yorkers yes, that live in a yeah. bubble that you would think would be uncompelling to watch because we don't yeah. really find those people yes. very interesting in conversation or in life. But they are, man. But they're funny. And Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez, they're all, I think they're all great. Like, I honestly thought the tone of this show was going to be more geriatric, a little bit more, oh, okay. a little bit more like, oh, Steve Martin and Martin Short are doing something, you know? Like, yeah. I honestly, yeah. but it's more than that. Like, I feel like wh whoever else is working on it, or, or Steve Martin, you know, he's a pretty smart guy, but it's like, it's self aware. It's not 100% like, the hippest thing you've ever seen but it has a kind of hipness to it and it has a kind of i mean when you mentioned bored to death it's got that kind of quirky new york only yeah. in new york kind of thing of these people this assemblage of characters you know a, a former actor a former broadway producer and a and a young woman who's like living in her aunt's apartment yeah in this apartment building and the other people as well but the three leads they're fun to watch together and there's just some fun like after the third episode uh you know uh 
like my, my wife just turned to me and said that's this is a pretty fun show and i was like you know that's yeah. i was expecting it to be kind of amusing and i was expecting to kind of get wrapped up in it just because i like the people in it but i didn't expect it to be quite so like enjoyable in that way of just like yeah. it's i don't know so that's what i meant about thinking it might be kind of geriatric i thought it would feel like you know when people come back and do something and you kind of pat them on the back right. for doing something but it feels like no right. th they're getting and even all the observations about true crime podcasts and stuff because they're trying to make a true crime podcast that stuff is fun i mean it's like they keep repeating the joke of like oh say that again i i want to get a better recording of it but i feel yeah. like it's i feel like there's a humor to that and i feel like martin short and steve martin's rapport is so funny and if you've seen them do comedy appearances together you know that they just bust each other's chops nonstop in that kind of catty old-timey showbiz way of like two old actors yeah. that are kind of vain yeah. and they do that just beautifully and there's just like scenes where like they'll be walking out of a room and like martin short will turn to steve martin and say does anybody like you you know it's just it's just it's that <laughs> kind of thing where it's the sort of like uh i don't know the kind of uh sparring lovers comedy team um is is like that energy i think that it's 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 given the show a certain kind of vibe that it wouldn't have with with any other performers in it i don't think so yeah it's legitimately one of the best comedies i've seen period i mean like it there's something about what's happening so the, to let the steam off of like the the geriatric stuff is is these two men older men trying to communicate with selena gomez and that's that's what that part is that's where all that steam is kind of left out you know kind of exerted there's that one line it, where, where they're about to call her about something and then and the then, text and, message and then martin short says they don't like calls for some reason. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we know that he means young people. We know that he yeah. means young people. And then Steve Martin is kind of pleased with himself and says, yeah, this feels like a text. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't know how to greet her. So it's he like, said yeah. to her, like, aloha, aloha. <laughs> and it's like, with like a, a sign off, you know, with love or whatever, sincerely. Yeah. No, I mean, again, but there's not too much of that. They don't overdo that joke of them being, no, no. it's a fairly realistic portrayal. Of, and the other thing, I, I, I realized this and I said this to my wife too, it's like, I was kind of realizing one of the things I was enjoying about it is she's like 20 and they're like 75 or something mm -hmm. and there's zero percent Woody Allen creepiness zero zero yeah. percent yes. zero these are yeah. these are actual grown men you know yeah. uh and not not weird man children and I think that's something that you can attribute to the performers and to Steve Martin's imagination probably but I love that there's none of that leering lasciviousness that you know, yeah. would, you wouldn't have even thought about maybe in the past, but now I think it would especially, it would seem really like nails on a chalkboard, so. Yeah, it's it's doing something really special. And like, it's it's being so self-aware really does lend itself to like some like, some cool jokes that really are pretty rewarding as the, as the show progresses, so. And Sting. <laughs> And St Sting, who I said is turning into Malcolm McDowell, and I didn't mean that in like a, a, a insulting him thing. Like, okay, if see, you look at him in Doom, I, I he looks like he's he's turning into Malcolm McDowell. But also, I think he and Jude Law are somehow turning into the same person. <laughs> and and I don't know, but Terrence Stamp is involved somehow. I don't know what how he's involved. No, I get, Stamp it. Is involved, I get it. But yeah, no, I get it. So Steve, I would check it out, man. I think you like it. it it's no, yeah, I like definitely. I, it's it's, if, it's on the list, man. I can't wait to see it. If you've ever like, if you've ever like been in a place with a lot, so I 
I lived in this one apartment building that was downtown near the the, the Pratt Free Library on uh, Pratt. Uh, what was wasn't Pratt? But it was like where the it's main Enoch Pratt, isn't it? Enoch Pratt, yeah, the yeah. main library downtown. Right. And this apartment building was very similar to that, man. Like it's like this. All these personalities, like when so, the fire extinguisher would get, like you know, the the fire alarm would go off if you touched the fire extinguisher, right? We came downstairs, and it's like all these personalities, people that have been there for like thirty years, people that have been there for six months, and they all have these like strong opinions about what people do. Like, yeah, the, right. the man above me is his trash smells like shit, and he he always puts it out. It's like. All these opinions and i and i hadn't i wouldn't have appreciated that until i got a little older and you you become a curmudgeon after a while like no matter how much you try you do become sort of you can even be a hip one but you wind up being like man that little thing that that person did five minutes ago is like killing me you think about it all day and you and you don't get much of a chance to compare notes with your neighbors so you're right when you're all standing out on the sidewalk there's a split (laughs) second where you're you're getting to talk to somebody that you've glimpsed in the hall before yeah no there's an interesting thing about that Um, and you're right it does feel like that that like eccentric that mix of people that might be in a in an old apartment building it really does pave the way for some like there's people that you only know through weird things like their trash stinks or it always smells like they're cooking something weird in there or whatever yeah it's 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 interesting. So it's it's worth it's worth it giving it a try, man. Yeah. Only murders in the building. Very cool. So what else? What else have we seen? Let's talk about some movies, right? That's what mm. we do here. This is called movie. 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 <laughs> yes. Um. We well. John, why don't you mention your experience with Candyman before we get into the ones that we've all seen? Oh. Um. You know, I, I, I really. <sighs> Like I thought it was a very confident movie that seemed to know exactly what it was doing and I feel like by the time you get to the end you definitely have rebooted Candyman. Uh, whether whether they intend to do more or whether well, that's the mm. but I mean if we're talking about these horror movie franchises as a thing that like yeah. on a certain level they're successful if you can beat them into the ground, <laughs> you know, like a, yeah. a sign of a good horror movie is if you can do another one and keep and keep hammering that concept. But you know what I mean, Ronald? At the end of this, there's a new version of Candyman, but it fits yeah. it fits the rules of the old one, except a few yeah. things have kind of adapted and they've added a few wrinkles to the mythology. And I thought it was pretty cool the way that it acted as a reboot and a, and a sequel as often yeah. these movies can do. And, um, you know, if anyone's wondering like how much do we call back to the original, uh, the OG Candyman being Tony Todd, uh, that, you know, it's that that's in this movie. The, the focus of this movie though, is a different vision of what the Candyman, almost like what this avenging spirit means and yeah. what has happened through the ages. And it definitely, I thought pretty so often these movies, Ronald, when we talk about like social issues, we say, did they really deal with it? And I think this movie actually did a pretty good job of dealing with it enough, but still keeping it in the realm of like pulpy horror, where it didn't feel like the, it was becoming too much of a message movie. You know what I mean? It's still, yeah. it's still yeah. an entry in a slasher franchise, but I thought they did a really good like gut-punched version of connecting this to real politics. And if you stayed through the end and watched the end credits, there's a little puppet uh, thing that... that goes through and shows a lot of violence that you know racial violence and connects it mm. all to the idea of of this this candy man spirit so that part mm. was well thought out and cool but i mean it's just you know 
There's definitely some marked for death characters who show up. There's like an art critic lady who you just know is going to die the second you see her. There's just different characters that that happens with. But everybody, feel, I don't know. There's a there's certain certain kind of fun that this movie's having that I think you might not be expecting when you hear people talk about the the grimness of it and the the brutality of it and the the racial themes and stuff. So I guess I would kind of yeah. mirror a lot of what you said, Ronald. It's not perfect, but it is very well made and it's very well acted. And there's a couple of good yeah. characters in there and there's a couple of gross out moments and there's a couple of surprising, like the rhythm of the death scenes. There's some creativity in how that is done. Um, so yeah, I thought it was, I enjoyed it. Like I actually thought it was neat. I love when they do something special for a movie, like as far as like how the opening is treated. Mm -hmm. Ronald, did you notice that all the logo cards were backwards? Like it was a mirror? No, like when all, the, all the production logos that come up at the beginning were reversed, oh, as though you were looking at them in a mirror. I, did not notice I that. thought that that's was really cool. A really cool touch. But I mean, so yeah, everybody thought they were doing something kind of cool with this, and I think uh, for the most part they were right. <laughs> yeah, I think the cool part about this movie, they did so much world building that the next one will absolutely be a slasher. It uh, could be. Like could be, but it opened it up for it to be just a slasher if you wanted it to be but, with some cool but there's this new wrinkle of of when when Candyman shows up who's he going to kill and why that is a cool <laughs> it's a cool wrinkle to add to this character you know what i mean yeah. like the, the yeah absolutely I'm trying to think of a, of a moment or a performance to to point out but you know uh, what's his name Coleman Domingo is that his name yes yeah man fucking on fire always how great. many voices does he have I love his mane, like <laughs> I could speak and you could hear me for ten miles, yes. you know. He needs to start he needs to start getting those those uh the, uh, Paul Winfield, Keith David, Morgan Freeman narrating jobs. You know, he just needs yeah. to be out there. But no, he's got that enunciation that you just feel it in your gut. It's he's great. Yeah. He's great. Coleman, man. The uh I I haven't seen it yet, but I was gonna mention um there was a really cool video I saw um, on I think it's I think it's Fandango that does the series, but it's like a, a scene breakdown mm. uh, series. It's kind of like anatomy of a scene. I don't think they I don't think that's what theirs is called, but um, I think that might be the variety one. But they did one with um, with Nia for Candyman, and she kind of goes through. Mm. And I, again, having not seen it, there's no spoilers in this video for anybody that's interested to watch it. Um, she kind of goes through like a lot of the like uh, puppet scenes and like kind of how they shot those and like talks so cool. about like the the production house that actually like did that it's all real and like things like that like all that stuff was like really cool and even just like the social dynamics behind why she wanted to do that was i think very interesting um yeah i don't know but i'm still looking forward to seeing it hopefully i can get out and check it out soon um it did really real well quick, Real quick, I was like, my, my question for you two, real quick. So it it, it overperformed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's still in that weird, like, for, first, 20 to 30 First range. movie by a black woman director that went to number one. Is that right? Yeah. Correct. What the fuck? Correct. I mean, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. I hate those firsts, though. <laughs> Me <laughs> too, man. It's 2021. You, you feel it's really like, good for, sure. like, a second, and then you go, oh, yeah. wait, that kind of right. that's kind of stupid. Right. But, hey, I mean, that's awesome for her, especially yeah. because she's doing that thing now that a lot of these... I mean, she's stepping into the Marvel world right now, shooting the sequel to Captain Marvel. So, yeah. um, isn't that right? So, right, so, there's so, a budget. so, so hold on. Hold on. Let me back up. My question for you two having seen it. So, yeah, it overperforms a bit. Uh, you know, it's still in that, like, little ceiling that we talk about in that 20 to 30 range for these kinds of movies but what do you think the drop off is going to be this weekend 
What else is coming out? Oh, Shang Chi. Shang Chi. Uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be an immense drop off. Because <laughs> okay. there's so, a Marvel movie that's. I mean, you know, like if you're looking at like what's going to pull people away, if you're going to the theater this weekend, I don't know. Maybe it's good counter programming to a to a slick a family superhero film, though. You know, maybe. Maybe yeah. the numbers won't go down significantly, but I feel like a lot of the people who went out to go see Candyman last weekend are going to go see Shang-Chi this week. I don't think that there's like, you know what I mean? I don't think there's like a different audience yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. the good part is the budget was $25 million yeah. and the box office is 31 right now. So, yeah. like, that alone is a victory. Like I said, you know, I, I've been you championing PVOD. Like, if it drops off and it goes to PVOD, this thing is going to do fucking numbers. Well, even if it, I mean, even if it didn't drop, I think this is this is one of those qualifiers for like the Universal seventeen day window. So yeah, you know, so it's like, seventeen days now. That that I think they have. Well, that's what it, their deal has been, like since this pandemic. Like Universal has that deal. I'm sorry, I didn't mean like, to react to like <laughs> shit. No, if you were in days. person, you would have grabbed Steve by the lapels. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 17 think, days yeah like when they did the whole when they flexed the you know they dropped trolls you know that that whole shit storm right. that happened like their their uh agreement with like amc i think it's also maybe with regal and cinemark um was that like they would still release them theatrically for a you know they have the right to exercise a 17 day window of taking it to pvod at that time you know, which times up with like two weekends and then they would release it probably that, that Tuesday, the week, you know, after weekend two. And, uh, yeah, it's like one of those things where like, you know, you've seen them do it for a lot of their movies, but then you see certain movies, whether it's the filmmaker that had some sort of contract, like I think M night has for old, that's not gone to any kind of window early. I think that's getting a full like 90 day apparently. Um, or like a Fast Nine, which obviously is like their big smash box office movie, so they're not going to put that. They still put it on Pivot early, but yeah. you know, not the 17 day. But I can see a movie like Candyman, like you're saying, even if it didn't drop crazy, it's going to have you know with that 20 opening, it's not going to really realize a massive box office, even if it holds well. Yeah. But I think it's a great candidate for, you know, getting it onto Pivot, especially going into like the middle end of September, you know, like this is just great timing. Um, and that movie I think would, would really, really kill on, on video on demand for sure. Yeah. Th that's when I hope we can see it. Yeah. Congratulations um, to that movie, man. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah. so let's go. You want to guys want to talk about some happy little clouds? Yeah, let's let's talk about some happy little clouds. Well, Steve, since you didn't get to opine much in the last segment, why don't you tell us how you felt about? Was this the name of the movie Happy Accidents? Is that the name of it? Um, I don't know actually. <laughs> like the full, the full, the full, the full name. I think it's Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. Yeah. Well, it's okay. got something in there. It's like it's it, it's. Bob Ross is like the, the Netflix the Bob Ross doc is what you right. need to know. Right. right. That's yeah. what everybody's that, that, calling that's it. it. Yeah. Look, look in the trending titles, look in the top, you know, 10 and I'm sure it's still there. But, um, you know, the, this, this documentary, it's like, you know, Bob Ross is like still someone who is in the zeitgeist, who's, who's everywhere in movies and TV shows. Like, you know, he, he pops up 
really often in in mainstream media still, which is it, it's really quite uh, impressive. Yet, when you watch the documentary and you kind of see possibly the staying power of his brand and like kind of where that comes from, it's a little more questionable. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, to circle to circle the idea of who this man was and like you know the impact that he had with his show that most people know him from, you know. Uh, what, what was it called? The Joy of Painting? Is that the series yes. that he had? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think everybody at some point has probably seen it, at least of our generation or older. Um, and because of the presence that it still has in pop culture, a lot of people at least know who he is and what he looks like and what he did in some way. Um, it is really an interesting doc just to kind of see kind of where he came from. Um, it is it is a little bit of a – I kind of felt like – I don't really know. I didn't really like know what the purpose of the documentary was because um, it didn't really have like the feeling of like the Mr. Rogers documentary that we all got like, a, you know, a year or two ago, um, which would be a, a comparison because this one kind of <clears throat> turns a, a bit sensational, you know, uh, towards the last act of the of the film. Not not in a bad way. It's just like I don't I don't really know. It almost feels like, you know, the fact that you describe it as like, look for the Bob Ross thing and then you have that sub like greed and whatever like it, it just sounds more you know it's got that saucy title that Netflix uses all the time in these like documentaries that they have I don't know if that's a part of it but um, an interesting character I mean a really you know iconic person that many people know and, and for me who I didn't really know a lot about him really beyond his show um, it was really interesting to kind of hear about his his beginnings and like you know, you know, getting this show to where it was by the by the time that it became like this iconic thing. And it's just one of these stories where you know you just like end it where you just you kind of want a a little bit of a downer because you just realize how fucked up shit gets when money gets uh, when money gets involved. You know what I mean? Like, and I know it's hard to avoid a lot of times, but <laughs> it's uh it's one of those downer notes where it's just like people get screwed money gets taken and you know the the brand the license the the legacy of somebody is just really out of their control and that's really sad right yeah. and out of the control of their their yeah the people their, they their would, son the people yeah. they yeah. would have take it over for them yeah you know the, you were mentioning the the mr rogers documentary and i was watching this show have thinking like bob ross does have that place in our culture like yeah. like mr rogers or uh, richard simmons even <laughs> where it's just like yeah it's people can people can pin like put their own needs into this person because this person seems to be there in a very positive way, like a very, like a very right. non-denominational almost, uh, but Jesus-like <laughs> persona who is just giving of themselves. It seems to be that way. Um, but the documentary it made me think of was one I recommended to you both that I saw at can't remember which festival it was uh, that we did the virtual version of, but Clay Dream, the one that was about Will Vinton and oh, yeah. oh, Claymation yeah, right. Studios, it was similar to that one in that kind of story, like the turn, it, the turn it takes, that, yeah. where it's like the the if you know the narrative, then you're going, well, there's no there's no real redemption here, but you're watching this documentary, and it's interesting that you put it that way, Steve, to say I didn't know what the point of this was. It's interesting yeah. with the documentary, you do sometimes think like, well, what's the broader story here? What's the point that it's making? And I would say that the scandal, like, it's it's infuriating, but it's also kind of mundane in the extreme. So yeah. it's like this weird feeling you have at the end where it just, 
it's more it's 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 more like to add to what you said steve it's like it takes what this guy did for people and it reduces it down to this thing yes that is impossible to feel good about um which yeah it does leave you feeling kind of shitty at the, <laughs> at the end as opposed to the way that <laughs> it felt a few months ago or last year when those when his show made it to Netflix and everybody was kind of talking about this yeah. almost meditate like now that we have ASMR as a subgenre of of videos you can watch or audio you can play people realize Bob Ross was uh was ASMR before there was ASMR, you know? Yeah, for real. Right, right. And I remember my grandmother used to have an easel propped up in the in the den and watch this show, and she would paint along with him. And she became a, a fairly wow. gifted, you know, painter in her older age. I don't know how much of it she did as a kid, but she, you know, we still, family, around the family, we still have some of her canvases. And she didn't do, it wasn't like aping his kind of style, and she didn't finish a painting in a half hour all the time, but she did do that. And when this documentary gets to the part where he figured that most of his audience was women, and so he had adopted this kind of sensual quality oh, yeah. like it really made me think about my grandma old lenora standing in there you know <laughs> painting with him maybe she was going Whew, this this young mr ross or this Bobby. this fella he's very <laughs> um but no i do think people just you know you you, you like him you there's not a moment of this movie sure. where you see footage of him it's like fred rogers in that way and and yeah. will vinton to some extent where you're just like no i just uh, the, the reason why this person made it to a certain point is because of that is because they they really did give off this vibe and there don't seem to be any major skeletons in this guy's closet you know, or they would have maybe made it in the dock. So I think we can sort of say Bob Ross seems like he was a pretty good guy. Um, and therefore, by extension, so. our friend Bob Rose, who's one letter off, is also a, a pretty good guy. Um, yeah. But uh, in fact, let's get Bob Rose to play Bob Ross <laughs> in some kind of a, in some kind of our, our version of the, like an hey. unauthorized biopic. I don't I'm taking that. notes. I'm taking notes for uh, movie studios here. So just, uh, Bob just Rose let it, let it go, John. is Bob it. Ross. Um, got it. Um, what about you? What about you, Ron? What was your take? What, what, what I, did you think about it? I think that this, this, the purpose that this really serves, I mean, on top of just highlighting how great of a person he was, I think for a really long time, cautionary tales about artists and their works weren't presented in a way that really helped the person watching it understand how something could be taken from you from right under you. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the times, you know, uh, whether it was like, you know, Stax Records or, you know, Motown or you hear these stories about people not getting what they're owed and it yeah. not being presented in its wholeness. Because sometimes you're like, how, how could this... I, that would never happen to me. I'm not. I'm. I'm smart enough to not get bamboozled. And what you find out very quickly is that that doesn't happen like that. It, it, it's a little yeah. more subtle than that. It's a little more nuanced. And I don't. There aren't a lot of movies that really highlight it quite as well as this did. That's one. Mm -hmm. And then two. I think people have to really understand that like villains don't die. I think that's like this like American idea that like. The villain dies in the end, or or justice is served. Mm -hmm. To I know a lot of villains that have lived for a really long time and are very alive and well, and like these people who 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 took from Bob Ross and live in D.C. right now. These people are old and are very alive, living outside of D.C. and are rich. So don't think that when somebody steals from you or does something like this that that they're going to get their comeuppance, you have to fight, you know? And and 
I don't, I sh- he shouldn't feel, you know, in the end, the things that work themselves out or don't work themselves out, I don't think that the parties involved should feel like they lost, you know, because at least you fought, because that's half the thing. Like, t- to say that you fought to get the property back is half the battle. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you lose. And I think that that right. has been presented to us for so long, especially in America, that villains are just going to all, ah, they're going to melt into a pile of steam. When really, in actuality, some uh, Trump Trump is going to live to be 130. I hope you understand that. I, th- I hope that people understand that like this is going to be the case. Like We understand it. <laughs> you understand. You understand, John. No, I'm just saying Steve, it's you why, understand too, it's why we like, look so glum all the time is because we know that. Yeah, but like <laughs> I, I, think, I think that these tales have to be told. I think that there has to be some like realism put in these documentaries as well. Sure, there's some sensationalism, but there's a lot of realism about the way that things get stolen from people. And I, I, it hurt my heart. But I'm glad that it was highlighted. So mm-hmm. that's what I took away from it. It's a beautiful. I think that Bob Ross was such an impactful person in all of our lives and everybody that I know. And yeah, you know, I don't think that anything's lost in this this story about his property and his intellectual property. I still love him the same way, and I, you know, I hope that nobody comes out of this like, well, I'm not. I'm never going to watch anything he does ever again because I don't want to support. A, B, and C, but yeah, you know, I th- I think that's losing sight of what he meant to people. You know, I say watch it. It it brings me a lot of joy to see him talking. You know, um, yeah, and painting. Yeah, it's 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 very uh, transportive to like like you were saying, John. Like just to watch the clips. Uh, yeah. Even like even 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 like when he'd go on like a talk show, you know, like he was still so in control of like of what he what he looked like, what he sounded like, how yeah. he interacted with like a live show. Like it was still the same sound, yeah. the same tone, yeah. the same meter of how he would speak. And it was like so consistent that like, you know, even if he was adjusting that for that character, for that show, for that brand, it was like, it was always reliable. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel yeah. like every little clip you see, you're just like, God damn, I'm like relaxing, just listening. To <laughs> and and, beyond, and beyond, I'm an erratic motherfucker. Painting, I, you, you know, know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I realized by comparison, it's like, boy, it's like watching, you know, it's amazing seeing someone who has that level of self-control. And, and yeah, there's that yeah. clip of him on Regis and Kathy Lee, where as, it's very silly, yeah. but it's very sweet where they're Kathy Lee and Regis are painting with him and they're doing their paintings and Regis at some point actually says like look at me I'm painting <laughs> and the audience actually goes Wah! and I got like a fa- I was like that's so sweet I, that actually got to me I was like that's what yeah, Bob Ross yeah. did I mean like if you want to say that's why I'm glad they have like art world people in this documentary talking about what you call his yeah. style of painting that it's not just like a party trick i mean it, it is a kind of party trick and it is kind of a style you can you could just whip these out but you still have to have an eye you still have to have those techniques and he did cook yeah. those images up out of his memory so you still have to have like a love of like some of those natural forms and some understanding of how they work um but also he was just so up on like pleasing yourself and painting the picture you wanted to paint and seeing Regis Philbin get excited like that it's like it felt legitimate and childlike and i think that it was cool to see that illustrated because yeah. it's like the moment in the Rod- Mr. Rogers documentary where 
the little kid is talking to him and the kid turns to the puppet and talks to the puppet, you know, or at least they talk oh about that God. effect where it's like, there's magic. These people, the reason why we talk about them, what you said, Ronald, the reason why they linger for us in the culture and we, we want to hold on to their memory a little bit is there's some magic there. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't manufacture it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> So that, the last one that we have, so again, that's on Netflix. Yes. I'm sure you can see it in your trending line yeah. in a row. Uh, it's in the top 10 currently as we're recording this still. Um, but um, the last one we wanted to mention was a new comedy that came out this past Friday on Hulu. Uh, I think this was something that, what what studio was it with, Ronald? Like we were talk, we were trying to get access to it. The oh, uh, it was uh, it was Disney, right? Disney, yeah, but it's like Fox. But Focus right, 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 was right. it Focus or something like that? No, I think I think it was Fox. It was I think Fox. It was okay. Fox, and then like the whole Disney thing yeah. not coming out. They they yeah they they put it on 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 Hulu. So this is a uh, comedy. Right, and this is a comedy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Gotta get you guys. No get, question. Get into this, man. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of Vacation Friends? This is the new comedy on Hulu that we're going to talk about. John. Um, I, 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 every time I thought, okay, this movie's formulaic and 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 kind of weak sauce. Something would charm me. Some moment would get under my skin. The actors are all really good. The 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 vibe is good. The energy is good. Like even within the sort of plot developments you expect from this kind of, you know, uh, I mean, it feels like a recycle. Like it feels like a script that Vince Vaughn didn't shoot back in two thousand and two or something, and they they brought it back up and updated it for these performers. But hey, guess what? Little Rel, John Cena, these are fun actors to watch. They're trying. There's chemistry. Uh, the the wife characters, which I hate to put it that way, but so often those characters are afterthoughts in these types of movies. They have a little bit more going on. I actually thought that uh, Meredith Hagner was 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 yeah, real was really fun. Yeah, um, she's great. And Yvonne Orji. And Yvonne Orji was 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 super. Just, like I don't know. I, I just thought that all these performers were so likable that every time I started to think, ah, eh, this movie's like you put it in that category of like. Oh, this is kind of cute, but it's not really that great. I I don't know. I was I I was consistently I will say charmed by by Vacation Friends, and that was my general feeling. I took away from it was I sort of enjoyed watching these characters hang out. I know that sounds silly, but like it just it just was a it was a sort of sweet movie, you know. And yeah. you know maybe it maybe it goes on a little long, and there's some parts that really don't work, and some gags that go nowhere. But there's something about, and I've never been like this biggest John Cena fan either. But this was the movie where I was like, yeah, I can kind of see how he can kind of create this little little sub career for himself as like a guy who's willing to laugh at himself and he can, he can do it and he can be credible. He's like, he's got this eager puppy dog quality in this movie that is just really infectious in a way. Um, and I think little rel, it's great to see him play like the, like the, the sort of uh, straight man role. I think he does straight a, man, he yeah. does a good job with that. And there's some, you know, he, he's got some moments where he goes off that are funny too. Um, it's kind of like a C, C level script given like B plus effort and it, it it you know pulls through for that reason, I think. Yeah. Steve. You 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 very clearly want to say something last, right? <laughs> no, I, I I I I agree, man. Like I feel like I had trouble convincing Aaron to watch this with me, and like I slowly noticed her like pulling in more to watch it more and more with me. Like 
because I kind of agree. Like, you know, it's like, it's better than I feel like it should be. Uh, you know, like the script is not great. Uh, there's some holes in it and there's like, you know, some beats that don't really hit, but I think it comes down to the performances and I think it's always, it's also okay that it's just like a fun comedy, you know, like, I feel like it's fine that we watch these movies every once in a while and it doesn't need to be, you know, anything special, especially because like, we don't get a lot of like straight comedies that are even watchable sometimes, you know what I mean? Like some of these have been really bad recently and it's really sad. Uh, especially because it feels like a lot of comedies really aren't even going to theaters anymore. So it's like a hard gauge of like, well, is this going to actually be good or is it going to like another movie that gets dumped somewhere? But I was really pleasantly surprised how much I laughed. Um, I thought the, the, the core four of the movie um, that John mentioned, the two couples, uh, I think the chemistry among the couples and really crisscross however way you look at it was was really fun and really worked. Um, John Cena and Meredith Hagen, like their their scenes together, I thought were just. I found them to be pretty hilarious, actually, in some of those scenes that where it just spirals out, and she's like kind of just going off about stuff. Like I thought that was really funny, and uh, you know, Lorel's like relationship with uh, his fiance's father. I think those scenes were pretty funny too, uh, especially when John Cena kind of gets into the mix of it. But yeah, all in all, I mean, I, this is like I've already kind of recommended it to like a handful of people. It's like, you just want like a straight up comedy that I think is pretty funny and uh, easy to watch, and it flies by too. Um, definitely, I, it's something I would recommend. I was surprised how much I actually liked it. Cool. What do you think, Ronald? Um, so I, I kind of agree with what John said about the script, but there's something about this script that kind of elevates it in a way that um, is super important to me is that sometimes when I'm watching people on screen that look like me, there's like a heightened version of a person that I'm watching. And because this movie didn't have that, it did something to the performances. It, it elevated it. It elevated the script even more than it was even more than it was supposed to. The, the decision to just let these people be people yeah, is definitely. some like it, I don't have a lot of things to point at. I, you know, I've been watching movies. I'm 38, been watching movies for 30, 30, I'll say 37 years. And you don't see very many things where you have leads that are black that just are just people in spaces with friends and getting into chaos. Like and, his whole thing is yeah. that he's uptight. But that's it. Yes, there's no other like. It. You're right. There's not any of that kind of uh, whatever stereotypical kind of performance yeah. stuff you sometimes expect in comedies like this. You're right. Yeah. There's one reference to it, and that's where they're in a jet ski, mm-hmm. and that's like about the extent of like Aaron and I talking. Like, oh man, that's some like weird. Uh, right. You know that there's something about <laughs> that that just makes this a little more magical. Oh. If I show it to somebody, and they're like, man, what? What did I just watch? Like these people are just. This is just a comedy that I can show to anybody and they will feel this like thing for it because it doesn't feel like it has too much put on it besides just the tension that's built in the story. Mm-hmm. And God, man, that felt like it felt like liberating. It felt like I watched this movie. I didn't have a shit ton of terrible things to say. OK, sure. It might have been mediocre towards the end. Like it, it resolved itself in a weird way. But God damn, like. I love that. 
I love that I can watch a movie with people that are just people, and it feels like, oh man, this this could happen again. They're doing a sequel, you know, honeymoon friends, and like <laughs> I'm fucking happy, man. Oh, they are. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So they they just um, Deadline just reported that honeymoon friends is coming out, and the same guys directing it, and it just sounds like a cool. Like, I want to see more things like There's this. something to that concept, too, that about midway through the movie, you feel the real hook of the person you are on vacation having to, having to, having to reconcile with the person you are back in the world. And, yes. and again, I think that is real. That has some actual depth to it. And I'm not saying the movie gets into that major philosophical idea, but there is that point where they're the, the midpoint in the movie when the vacation's over and these people want to stay friends. And you see that little Rel and uh, Orgy. Is that her name, really? Am I saying her name? Yeah, Yvonne Orgy. Okay. She's Yvonne Orgy. Um, that, that she's like. Um, <laughs> that sounded like. <laughs> no, I <didn't. laughs> I understand. Um, uh, but 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 um, they, they you could see what they want. You can see that they expect maybe they can leave these people behind, and then when they run into them in the airport, it's this different environment, and it has a different feel, and it really is like, oh, this is the sort of heart. This is the sort of domestic horror movie aspect of this. Is the sort yeah. of like the you know it what what stays in Vegas isn't staying in Vegas sort of in this movie, you know, and I think that is, uh, there is something palpable about that fear. And again, it's, you're right, Ronald, that there's, at that point, there's nothing, I actually saw an article that was saying that this movie should have dealt more with the kind of racial politics of the difference between the characters, but I was kind of glad it didn't, and based on what you said, I'm really glad it didn't, because I feel like that would have gotten kind of messagey, and it would have trampled over the, the beauty of what you're describing, Ronald, which is just, this movie doesn't comment on what it's doing, it just does something kind of quietly bold by, by almost like having characters where it's like you could have swapped in other actors to play these characters. Like there's nothing that feels profiled right. about the characters, you know, and I, that might be a weird way to put it, but uh, no, I, no, I know, I know, exa- I know exactly what you mean. Because to, in order to, if, if you were to put that on it, it'd be like if all of us were talking and I was like, you know, that lamp, that's some black people shit, that TV, that's some white people shit. That, you're like, n- nobody fucking talks like that in real life. Yeah. Except when you're like on stage doing stand up. Like, I think there's just this real overcompensation for that sometimes that I see in movies that I don't have around my friends. Like, I, that happen to be white. Like, I don't understand why that's even thrown in all the time. So, right. I loved it. I, th- I loved that Good. part of it. I thought that it was a solid movie. It, it was fun as hell. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it. I like Marilia. Yeah, I see the, the, the guy who worked this, at this the article. Spot. Oh. oh, yeah. No, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> it's like the, he, the, the, you start off thinking he's competent, <laughs> and then you realize he's just not. <laughs> no, him, him blowing up the secret. That's the thing that made me laugh so much was him just like. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I checked out the article Ron was talking about, and I think another takeaway is like, this is huge for the show, is that, or the movie. It, you know, they're, they're, Hulu is saying in their announcement that it was like the highest viewed original film on hulu like uh you know which is that's that's massive because like that means like you know they were boasting so much about palm springs last year as being this massive debut which apparently yeah. this, this outperformed which is it's amazing i mean john cena you know he's like mentioning him specifically john like he's got this like niche now like you know he's got these this peacemaker series now he's got this sequel on hulu he's got like this like streaming success you know what i mean i don't know what peacemaker's gonna look like but i mean that's that's a really big win for him this movie yeah. made me more excited to see peacemaker than 
Suicide Squad. Now, I, I'm not saying anything about preferring this movie to Suicide Squad. I'm just saying after the Suicide Squad, I didn't necessarily need more Peacemaker. I was like, eh, of all the characters, I don't know that I want to spend one more second with this guy. But after this, right. I was like, okay, I see how John Cena might be able to thread the needle and be like a lovable buffoon on top yeah, of being yeah. a terrible jingoistic, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever we want to call Peacemaker. So I feel like if that's where they're going with that character, then, you know, that... I can tolerate that. Um, but no, you know, yeah, everybody seems to be having fun in it too. And I think maybe we've said that, but I think that's something that carries over in a movie at times. It's just, you feel like they were, I mean, I, I'll be, I would be sad to hear, oh, little Rel and John Cena hated each other on set because it feels like the opposite is happening. It feels <laughs> yeah. like they're really yeah, feeding yeah, yeah. off. There's a, a blast. the little thing with kissing each other on the forehead was, was so funny. That was so good. It was so good. And when he does it, oh, well, yeah, there, I don't know. <laughs> little, little, um, you know, that, that, uh, bromance, or whatever aspect I felt like was was handled in a way that was yeah it was sweet it was it was well done so that, yeah. that's what really works so well like I feel like in the part of the movie where they're like spending their vacation with them and you know it's, it's that moment that you're saying like this is like can be quite horrific like how bad things could go but like there's this constant undercurrent of like these people are like out there and they're kind of crazy, but like they, they actually are like really nice people. You, you know, can't like, stay mad they at really, them. they really genuinely like are caring about the, the two leads. You know what I mean? Like in, in ways that it seems like people in their personal life and their family, like don't, which is like, yeah. I think reassuring and like it's different for them. And I think it's like kind of what hooks them a little bit. And I think that's really kind of what works the most about like that whole meet cute area of the movie, like when they have their meetup, um, is that like John Cena and uh, what, what was her name? Um, his wife in the in the in the, in the movie, uh, 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 Meredith Hagner. Meredith, but Kyla, yeah, Hagner, uh, Kyla from, is her uh, character from from, from 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 Search Party. It's what I remember. And she from. she had a small part um, in Palm Springs too. She was uh, the girlfriend yeah. at the beginning. Oh, right, right. right. There's just something about them, like there's like this genuineness to like, even though they're silly and out there and causing havoc and trouble everywhere they go, it seems like there's like this, like they genuinely are like trying to be friends with you and like they are trying to give, you know, you care, like, like maybe you're missing in life, which seemed like those characters might have been. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's a little deeper than it needs to go, but this is just a fun movie. Yeah. I think we all really, really enjoyed it more than we thought we would. I know personally it was, you know, I, I was looking forward to seeing it. Sometimes but you want like, like a snack. Watch it again. Sometimes you want yeah. like a good fast food chicken sandwich or something like yes. that. This is that movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it I was. Agree, it was. Man. It was. It was a lot of fun to watch. So, you know, this is definitely one we're recommending. This is on Hulu now. Obviously, tons of people have already watched it, but find it if you're looking for a comedy, um, one to just kind of feel good, laugh a little bit. It, it's definitely. Um, I think. I think it will satisfy that for you. I think we all do. So. What else? Anything else, guys? Are we good? I think that's all I want. Um, Is that enough? I just want to mention one thing. Uh, I Do saw it. the Mortal Kombat sequel, the animated sequel, Battle of the Realms. It's the uh, it's the sequel to Mortal Kombat Legends: Scorpion's Revenge. Uh, Warner Brothers Animation. It's solid, man. It's a follow up to a very very violent cartoon, and it's a very very violent. They get into more into the actual tournament, kind of the thing that we wished for for the Mortal Kombat yeah. live action, but it gets right. more into the actual tournament and world <laughs> domination. It's worth checking out if you want to see people get decapitated and blood splatter in in full 4K animation. But it's it's fun and crazy and 
what is that on? Is that on HBO uh, Max? It's on uh, PVOD right now. Oh, uh, P- it, like, oh okay. Yeah, it's it just PVOD. came out uh, the 31st, I believe it came out. So, uh, oh, wow. Mortal Kombat Strong. Legends Battle of the Realms. Really, really, right. really, really entertaining. Cool. Cool. All right, man. Well, uh, moviesmovie.com is the site. You can find all of our episodes there. You can subscribe to the podcast there on any platform that you might follow. Uh, podcast on if one of them happens to be one that has a review option or a rating option and i know they all have share options so if you could do any of those three things wherever you're listening to us uh post it on social media text it to a friend whatever uh we'd appreciate it (laughs) uh any anything like that obviously helps get the word out and if you can review it on that platform obviously it helps people looking for movie podcasts you know because there's only two out there we just want to be the the one that they (laughs) <laughs> hear about uh, before the other one um that would be appreciated and uh i don't know what we got planned for next week i know there's a couple new releases coming out maybe if we have a chance if any of us check out shang chi we can talk about that a little bit um i'm not sure if that'll happen or not maybe uh but we'll figure something out it'll be fun it always is it's always and, fun. Uh, we'll be here same time next week and uh we'll see you guys then as always you've made our day thanks bye